0: You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Well, good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to our show. You are on live with... Dr. Jeff Werber, that's me, here, Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff here on Pet Life Radio. And we are live, so we can answer your questions. You can give us a call. It's so easy to get a hold of us. 877-385-8882. Once again, 877-385-8882. You can also send us a, send me a quick note to drjeff, that's Jeff at petliferadio.com. Or you can just click on, if you're following us online, there's a little box right there at the bottom. Just start typing in, join us. It says, click here to join the conversation. So why don't you click there and join our conversation? So um, we are here for you. We're trying to make life with your pets even better. And uh, I know that's hard to believe. It can't even be better than it is, and hopefully it's fantastic already, but the goal here is to answer your questions, help you out with your problems, anything you really wanted to know, but maybe you're afraid to ask your veterinarian, or maybe... It was just too expensive to go to your veterinarian just to ask a few simple things. So that's what you got me for here at uh, Pet Life Radio. Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. want to thank our sponsor, ProSense Pet Products. We are basically providing you with veterinary quality products that you can purchase uh, at the mass market level, at your local Walmart, at your local Target, or your Walgreens, or your Kroger, and uh, your ATB stores. A lot of great, great retailers at probably half the cost of what you might pay for the same type of product at a pet specialty or at your veterinarian even, even at my hospital so uh, yeah, no, it's great stuff you know, something happened to me yesterday and, and I, I got to thinking and I would love to hear from you, I'd like to, you know, hear what your even your veterinarian would do but and that issue was this, that I get later in the day, I'm I'm just about to leave the office, I'm trying to take it easy because I, like an idiot, was out snowboarding last weekend and I ended up uh, kind of hitting a, a, a patch of ice in the wrong spot and went down and the way I tried to break my fall, which Probably wasn't the brightest thing in the world. I ended up cracking a rib. So I'm trying to take it easy. It hurts when I laugh and I'm trying not to laugh. And for me, that's a challenge. So I've been trying to get out of here like on time so I can kind of rest. And one of my clients comes in and here's the scenario. And it happens way too often. What would you do? She sees this dog walking the streets in a not such a great area, but not bad. But there was a lot of traffic. Uh, Two major thoroughfares coming together. The dog looked like it was wandering, so she gets out of her car, and it was a big chocolate Labrador, and she realizes as she's watching it, the dog doesn't appear to be able to see, and sure enough, she catches this dog. It is sweet as can be, finds her face, starts giving her kisses on the face, and in fact is blind, a blind lab, so she brings it to the office. We're officially closed already, but we were all there. And we check for a microchip, of course, no microchip. The dog is probably six to seven, maybe even eight years of age, was in actually pretty darn good shape. I mean, it was, the coat was a little dirty, found some foxtails on the coat, a little cyst on the foot. But I mean, this dog, as you're examining and checking out, he is just giving licks. So a really sweet dog. And as one would expect, sadly, no ID, no microchip, no collar, no nothing. So now what? I mean, you can't, you can't let the dog back on the street. Are you kidding? I, it, it would certainly be hit by a car. dog can't see. Sweet as can be. And the situation is, it is very challenging because most of the, I mean, if you take this dog to a shelter, six, seven-year-old blind Labrador, unless you have a no-kill shelter, I mean, let's face it, it's probably going to get put down. I have to assume that the dog was in good enough condition that it was not wandering the streets because for a long time. Because if it were, it wouldn't be alive because there's no way with this dog can't see. So I'm assuming it belonged to somebody. That somebody didn't care to put an ID tag on it or microchip their dog, which is a problem. And if you call one of the rescue groups, and we have a lot of great rescues, and I'm sure most cities have wonderful rescue groups, what's going to happen? Well, they're going to say, oh, we'd love to help you. We can maybe do our adoption fairs on the weekend, but we have no place for the dog. So... Now what? So, I mean, where do you think the dog is now? Right now, the dog is in my hospital. And the woman who found the dog is trying to put some posters up and, and talk to some people in the neighborhood. I mean, this is a, this, it's a pretty good-sized chocolate Labrador. So, I mean, it's, it's not like it fell through the cracks. And i just curious to know, what would you do? Would you pick it up? Would you take it in? Would you take it to a shelter? Would you try to raise money to at least uh, cover some costs of housing the dog? I mean, what I told her is that I'll certainly work with her and we give great rescue rates to cover the cost of housing the dog. And, and I would I have some empty cage space. So I would be the quote-unquote foster family until they can find somebody. But what's the fate of this dog really going to be? And what's the best way to approach it? What's the best way to handle it? And how many of you have you know friends or, or veterinarians that they know that will be willing or able, just space-wise, to provide a little extra cage space while they uh, try to put all this together? So it is, you know, it's a very challenging scenario because you feel badly. I can't, you know, I can't not do anything. I would hope that most veterinarians are not going to sit back and say, well, sorry, it's not, not my problem. So why don't you uh, drop me a note, give me a call at 877-385-8882. I want to hear what you have to say, 877-385-8882, live with Dr. Jeff, and tell me, what would you do, what would you think your veterinarian would do? And by the way, anyone who might know, anybody who might provide a temporary home for this fantastic, sweet labrador who just unfortunately can't see would be terrific another thing that i uh, while i'm waiting for your questions and your phone calls i want to hear from you i also i got a call from a person a a random person and they actually listened to the show and they heard me on the show and they had a dog who it's sort of like an age-old question their dog has been doing a lot of licking licking on everything including licking him and the dog's not typically a licker he says and he noticed that every time he would let the dog outside, the dog would try to vomit. It would go and eat grass, and then he would often vomit. And his question to me was, do dogs eat grass so it will make them vomit? Do they actually know that if I eat this grass now, 15, 20 minutes, half hour later, whatever it's going to be, I'm going to throw up? In other words, it is my vehicle through which to induce vomiting – so I can hopefully vomit up that, which is causing my irritation, nausea, et cetera. And I have my take on it. I'm just curious to know what people think. Do dogs eat grass to make them vomit, to make themselves vomit? Do they truly know that it very often will make them vomit? And if so, how they learn? Who taught them? So I'm just curious to know what you think. I have uh, my theory, and we're going to uh, we're gonna check that theory out in a little bit, but uh, let me uh, first give you some time to get back to me here on Pet Life Radio, and it's easy. You can just send me a little note to Doctor Jeff at petliferadio.com or call me live. I'm right here, uh, 1 o'clock Pacific Time, 4 o'clock Eastern Time at 877-385-8882. I am here today, here next Thursday, but off tomorrow morning for Orlando to the North America American Veterinary Conference. This sort of starts the year. It's our first conference of the year, and we go literally, practically, back to back to back. We have a big one coming up next month in Las Vegas, the Western Veterinary Conference. Then we have March. We have the American Animal Hospital Association meeting, and I have the Pet Expo, the Global Pet Expo, because of uh, pet products, and that's a huge one back in Orlando. And then in May, I'll be in uh, D.C., for the Central Veteran Conference called the CVC East, where I'll be speaking there, and uh, so a lot going on. And uh, anyway, North American in Orlando, a great, great show, arguably you know the largest. There's always that battle between the North American Veteran Conference every January in Orlando and the Western Veteran Conference every February in Vegas, which is bigger. I guess where it boils down to is where would people r- rather go in January and February? And uh, do they want to go to Orlando? So a lot of times with Orlando, we'll get a lot of the families, you know, younger vets coming with the kids. And then in Vegas, in February, it's the people who to try to get away from their families. And they want to go to Vegas and maybe uh, do, a little, uh, do a little gambling, maybe make some money out of the thing. You know, talk about a, a great way to write off. You not only get to write off the trip, but hopefully you come back with even more than you left with. But they're both fantastic Conferences, world class speakers, and there's really, really, you know, a lot, a lot to learn, a lot to go through. And um, the venues are fantastic. We're going to be at the um, Gaylord and at the uh, Marriott World Center. What's so amazing about this show, it used to always be at the Marriott. And as it grew, it got you know, bigger and bigger, and the Gaylord is a, you know, was a relatively newer hotel, and they had a huge, huge, beautiful exhibit hall. It was better suited for the, the enormity of this conference, and then they started – but it got so big that they actually needed the lecture halls in both locations – And now it's gotten so big that they are using the original exhibit hall as a second exhibit hall. So this show is in two hotels, each with their own exhibit hall. The exhibit halls are huge. The Gaylord is the main. And then there's sort of the annex. But interestingly, talking to a lot of the vendors, they prefer... The smaller exhibit hall at the original Hotel the Marriott because it's less overwhelming. So people that go through are actually willing to spend a little more time. And then there are a lot of large companies that have booths at both halls. Now, that's how crazy and how large this show is. I don't know. It's something like when you think of everybody combined, it's something like 15,000 people converging in Orlando. It's just amazing. So um, anyway, no, that's a great show. So once again, I want to hear from you. I want to hear what you think about animals, dogs especially, eating grass in order to vomit, 877-385-8882. We're going to be back in just a second after this commercial break. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. Swipe It's revolutionary new product that literally swipes away cat hair from virtually any surface. You know, most of us struggle with a roller or vacuum cleaner to clean up cat hair. But anyone who has tried either of these knows they just don't work very well. But Swipe It's patent-pending glove has a magnetic-like quality that removes cat hair from almost everything. Everything. And best of all, Swipe It's is machine washable, so you can use it over and over again. To order, just visit SwipeIt's.com. That's S-W-I-P-E-T-S. A simple solution for shedding. I'm not much of a reader, but I do wish I were more well-read. There are so many great books coming out. I wish I could find a way to keep up. choose from over 100,000 titles. To get this great deal, go to AudibleDeals.com. That's AudibleDeals.com. Coast to coast and around the world, it's All Behave with Arden Moore. Find out why cats and dogs do the things they do and get the latest buzz from wagging tongues and tails in Rin Tin, Tinseltown. From famous pet experts and best-selling authors to television and movie stars, you'll get great tail-wagging pet tips and have a fur-flying fun time. All Behave with America's pet edutainer, Arden Moore. Every week on demand. Only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's Talk Pets. Let's Talk Pets. On pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLife Radio. PetLife Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Well, welcome back. You're here with Dr. Jeff live at Pet Life Radio, Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. And uh, before the break, talking about first of all, I'm off to Orlando at a big uh, conference. But um, I got a phone call, um, you know, earlier, and we were the, the guy. We were talking about a dog who was going outside to eat grass, kept licking his lips, and the question was, and the question still is: When dogs eat grass, do they know it's going to make them vomit? Are they eating grass because it's going to make them vomit, and they want to vomit? What is the deal? How much credit do we give the dogs? Here's my theory. Mind you, this is my theory only. And I would love to hear from you or others who want to give us their theories or discuss this. So please feel free. Get me at 877-385-8882. Or while I'm sitting here online, I have my computer open. You can click at the bottom of that big box here on our page, Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. And it says right here, click here to join the conversation and just type in what you think, and that is here at PetLifeRadio.com. Now, here is the, uh, my theory. Let's talk about, first of all, the issue of the licking. Licking frequently, sometimes swallowing with a little more difficulty, we call it hard swallowing, those are signs of nausea, no doubt. Those are signs that dogs that seem to be nauseous, that seem to want to vomit, will often do. So, clearly, this dog it's probably nauseous possibly wanting to vomit. So the owner lets the dog outside. The dog goes outside and starts chowing down on grass. So now the big question, was he chowing down on the grass because he wanted to vomit? We know something from behavior, and it's called avoidance therapy. And it works like this. If a dog eats something that is going to cause them to vomit, typically within 10 minutes, when given the option to eat that again, they will avoid it. They don't like the idea of vomiting, So therefore, when they eat something that they make the direct association that it's going to make them vomit, they often will avoid it next time. So understanding avoidance therapy right there tells me that very likely when dogs run out and eat grass, they are not doing it to make them vomit because if they knew it was going to make them vomit, they probably wouldn't eat the grass because they don't like the vomiting. Now, what about grass though? Here's my theory. I think that, well, first of all, if you have ever munched on grass, grass, especially you know, a lot of grasses, are actually sweet. The taste of chlorophyll can be a little soothing. And when dogs eat grass, they usually don't vomit for at least 15, 20 minutes later. I mean, rarely do they eat it and vomit right away. So because it has to sit there, it's like any kind of leafy vegetable things that might make them vomit. It's not a toxin. It does, it's not something that's a gastric irritant. The problem is it sits there and they can't digest it. It doesn't. Uh, it often doesn't pass through. And then all of a sudden it'll make them vomit. Well, if it's over the 10 minutes or whatever, now the dog no longer makes the association that the reason he's vomiting is from that which he something he ate because it's been too long now. He doesn't remember, or, or link the two together, the eating the grass and the vomiting. So the avoidance therapy concept is forget about, it, out the window. So I personally believe that dogs eat grass because they like it. It does soothe them if they have a little upset stomach and if they're a little nauseous and they will continue to do it. And when it does, or if it does make them vomit, they don't put the two and two together and they don't realize that it was because of the grass that they vomited. They got the quick fix from the grass. They got the sweet taste. They got the moisture. It soothes them a little bit, and uh, that's why they eat the grass. So that's my take on it. I am so curious to hear what you think and any of you behavior people out there, if you want to come and throw your two cents in, I would love to hear it, and that is at 877-385-8882, and uh, as I said, you can uh, throw me uh, your two cents in. So also, last week we talked about the insane... Cold weather throughout our country, of course, except LA, where it was 84 yesterday, and and um, I knew people going to the beach. Or I understand in South Florida, it's in the 70s and nice and mild. So a few places in this country that are rather fortunate. But how has it been? I would like to know how the rest of the country has been faring. I would hope that come that it's not still 50 degrees below zero in Minneapolis or 20 degrees below zero with windchill down in Chicago. So I would like, uh, you know, it's another, another good reason to give us a call or send me a note and let me know, are you guys faring any better? how your pets did. Do they do okay? Are they, uh, you know, have you changed your lifestyle? That's really really what's important to know and to share with some of our other listeners. Does it change their lifestyle? Did you change their lifestyle? Have they adapted for the, hopefully, less time they're spending outside alone, given the fact that it is it 's still pretty cold out there, so you know what do you do? What would you do and uh, I think that would be a, a nice thing to know and I still haven 't heard from anybody what is going on with what you or your vets, what would you do? You find a stray dog running on the street and uh, you know, Now what? You're going to bring it into your vet. You're going to take it in. You're going to pay for it. You have friends that would help you raise some money. Do you know some rescue groups that have room? What would you do? For any dog lover out there, that's something that you will be faced with at some point. We have a dog in today. One of our rescue groups literally found this guy beating, literally, terribly. She said she was ready to run the guy over with her car. She said, I'd probably have to bail her out of jail. But she literally scared this guy away, and the guy was kicking this down dog, a shepherd, and I, the dog is here now with us. He is so sweet. He was in so much pain from being kicked in the rump and his hips and his tail that when you touched it back there, he would start to cry. That is just unbelievable to me, this day and age, that there are people out there that would even consider abusing a dog like that and that is just terrible. But anyway, this dog is we're calling him for lack of a better name right now, Jack, and uh so we're we're going to clean him up a little bit. He's got a bad leg, and this dog is going to the rescue group has been uh, they took some video. They posted the video on this dog, and when this video is available, this dog will get adopted in like 2 seconds. Because A sweet as can be, and B when you see what this poor dog had been through, you would love to provide a home. For a dog like this, I mean as badly as this dog was treated and as untrusting as this dog should be, he still wants to cuddle up and when you stick your nose and your face into his face, he just wants to just rub against you and cuddle. It is unbelievable and uh, this um, this is really sweet. Oh, another thing, this is very rare. But you know we've learned so much about another a condition that's an old age old condition It used to be called FUS feline neurologic syndrome we've renamed it FLUTD a little bit more specific to the problem called feline lower urinary tract disease and this was a much more of a problem oh 20 years ago when we knew less about felines their diets what makes them create or develop crystals and stones and how much less we knew then than we do now about the prevention through diet, through fresh water, through eliminating stress, et cetera. So therefore, the problem of the severely blocked cat, and by that I mean they get like a urethral plug or crystal or stone that, especially in the males, that creates the situation where they cannot urinate. And We often had to do a surgery of old that was called a PU, a perineal urethrostomy, to open up the male's plumbing like to be that of a female, opening up, make the urethra a bit wider, larger, so the crystals and the sludge can flow through more easily. And we don't have to do that very often anymore. I have, how weird is it, two cats, both very good size, large orange males, Sitting in cages side by side, both came in within two days of each other, blocked. Fortunately, both doing well. We're going to probably avoid the PU surgery. Uh, we've already avoided on one. We did have to go in and take a, a stone out of the bladder. The other one is doing great, pulled the catheter so far, urinating freely. But there are a lot of new factors that we have to talk to owners about, and you should know that that stress, anxiety, water intake, exercise, Diet all play major roles and the fact that the male plumbing at the narrow tip of the penis is much narrower than the female, the vaginal opening of the urethra, male and female cats seem to suffer from FLUTD equally. It's the male that typically has the problem simply because of the narrower urethra at the end causing him a lot more difficulty trying to pass the sludge. But we used to think that the issue was minerals or ash content. That is a way over simplification. It's not necessarily the ash. It's the pH that the urine is left with, the breakdown of these minerals. And certain mineral salts that leave the urine basic are more dangerous than the salts that leave the urine more acidic because in an acid urine environment, stones and crystals seem not to form. So uh, check with your veterinarian, check about diet, and um, it's maybe stay away from some of, uh, well, a lot of dry foods. I mean, some dry food is fine, but always check with your vet, especially if you're a cat, especially if your male cat has been having problems, what you can do at home to help minimize the problems of feline lower urinary tract disease. So anyway, once again, our half hour is running away from us. Uh, I wanna, uh, I'd want to. i like to see you call us this week. Send me an email to drjeff at drjeff.com. That's drjeff at drjeff.com or drjeff at petliferadio.com. Um, and uh, kind of let me know what, what you think about this whole vomiting thing and eating grass. And if all is well, and we will hopefully see you back here next week. Get the cards to give us a call, 877-385-8882. And I will report back to you when I return from the North American Veterinary Conference. Next Thursday, see you then.